Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. Hello, Grace. Hey, we're so excited that you're worshiping with us this weekend. Uh, You may have figured out that I'm actually not here uh, this weekend. Uh, We're down in uh, Canyon City. Uh, My father-in-law has uh, passed away and uh, going to his service and actually officiating that. So if you'd be praying for us, that would be wonderful. Um, I'm excited to connect with family. I think God's going to use it. But we have a special guest speaker, and that is our youth pastor, Sarah Nichols. If you've heard her speak before, you know that she is so grounded in the word, so submitted to the kingdom and to Jesus and to leadership and such a blessing to so many. And so I know what she has to say is going to be powerful. It's going to change your life. Would you please welcome our youth pastor, Sarah Nichols. (laughs) That's what I was waiting for. I'm not waiting for the applause. I was like, oh no, it's me. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you know, but I grew up in Oregon. Don't hold that against me, please. It's a very different state than the one I grew up in. But we lived on the Oregon coast for about six years of my childhood. And my family spent a lot of time at the beach. And I don't know if you've been to the Oregon coast, but it's pretty dramatic, pretty unfriendly when it comes to the water. Definitely don't swim in the Oregon coastal waters for very long, if at all, because it's frigid year round. It doesn't matter. But there's also a lot of riptides and currents that are pretty dangerous there. So when we go to the beach when I was a kid, my parents always told me, don't turn your back on the ocean when I was building my sandcastles or whatnot. Don't turn your back on the ocean because there's what we called sneaker waves that could come up behind you and sweep you out to sea. Or don't go past your knees if you do go in the water because the, t- the tides and the currents are so strong there. So I was raised to have a healthy fear of the ocean, a reverence for the ocean. I love it. I love to enjoy the ocean, but I'm also, I'm pretty scared of it. I got married and my husband and I, we love to go on tropical vacations to more friendly waters, but it's still the ocean. And so it's hard for me to understand how to interact with the water in a safe way. And I always feel a little bit afraid. I had to swallow my fear pretty hard to get scuba certified, but I did it. But every time that I go scuba diving or snorkeling with Mike, I always have a firm grip on his hand. It comforts me to know that he's there with me because there's a lot of currents and things that I'm afraid of. I hate it when I can't see the bottom. And I really have a big fear of creatures in the ocean (laughs) that are bigger than me. (laughs) But also some others. We were in Hawaii a couple years ago celebrating Mike's 40th birthday and we got to go snorkeling on a reef there. It was really beautiful. It was nice and shallow. I could see the bottom the the whole time. And I had a firm grip on his hand still though, but we're enjoying the day. But we came to the edge of the reef at one point where we swam out over the edge and then I couldn't see the bottom. So I was getting a little nervous, but to make matters worse, right as we came over the edge of the reef, an eel popped out and it hissed in my face. And Mike will tell you that it didn't hiss, but I'm pretty sure that it did because have you seen the little mermaid? You know, Ursula, she made me afraid of eels to this day, and I am convinced that thing hissed in my face. I grew up watching that cartoon, and I hate them. They're evil. (laughs) 
But what do you do when you're confronted by a creature that makes you feel so uncomfortable? You get out of the water as fast as you can, even if that means that you climb onto your husband to do so. And we still laugh about he got, how he got pinned to the coral that day, but I was safe, we were good, we still laugh about it, it was a good time. But I would call it a healthy fear or a healthy reverence. Mike might disagree with me, but when we have reverence for something or someone, it will change the way that we act. It will change the way that we interact with other people when we're around it. So Ephesians talks about how we can treat our relationships as something created for worship, as we're in this series. We're created to have interactions with other people. We're designed to have relationships. And Jesus says that we can revere him by how we approach those relationships. You can go to Ephesians with me. We're gonna be in chapter five to begin. Chapter five, verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we see that our interaction with other people is a way to revere Christ. Reverence is worship. It's holding respect for Jesus here. And submitting to one another is how we can do that, according to this verse in Ephesians. Submission is a tough topic. But let's do it together, yeah? Submission means that you have to give up your rights sometimes. Sometimes you have to put somebody else ahead of yourself, to put yourself under them, to take their interests into account before your own. And it's not easy. But our King Jesus is worthy of it. He's worthy of that reverence. So who here likes pineapple on their pizza? Who's with me? <laughs> so a simple definition of submission is when I order pizza, nobody in my house except for me likes pineapple on the pizza, so I don't order it, usually. <laughs> usually I order the extra pepperoni, the jalapenos, because my guys love it. My two sons my husband love jalapenos, pepperoni on their pizza. I love the pineapple. But if I'm submitting to them and I'm taking their interests ahead of my own, I just don't order it. It's not a big deal. That's what a submission looks like. That's an easier way to talk about submission. But there's also hard places in our lives where we're expected to submit to one another and it feels very unnatural. And it's also countercultural. It feels unnatural because it is unnatural. Our tendency when we're born is to be very selfish. It's our flesh. It's our human nature to be selfish individuals. Just go over to the nursery with a new toy and put it in the middle of that group of toddlers and you'll see, even if they're busy with something that has totally captivated their attention, like Cheerios, they will demand that they get a turn with the toy and nobody else does, right? It's our human nature to put ourselves first, put ourselves in front of other people and acting in the opposite doesn't come natural to us. But that's why if we do it right, Christ is revered, he's worshiped. And also we most closely resemble Jesus when we do this well. Let's take a look at Philippians for this. We're going to chapter two in Philippians. Starting in verse three, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus is our example. He let go of his divine privileges. Even though he's God, he came and humbled himself to the point of being an infant, a helpless, vulnerable baby, so that we could have a relationship with God. It's the ultimate act of submission. Our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, gave up his heavenly throne in submission to put us first according to God's will. And he was raised here, he grew up, and then died a criminal's death. And when we submit and put others ahead of ourselves, that's how we worship him. That's the right order for us. It says Jesus took an interest in you. He took an interest in me. It's so beautiful. And at Christmas time, I love how Christmas time reminds me of that. Of how my King of Kings, the Lord of Heaven, who was there at the beginning and created the world, took an interest in me, so much so that he would become a helpless baby. It's such a beautiful thing to know and remember during the Christmas season. So the Grace Kids team has actually made each family, if you have kids, we want you to take this home today. It's an advent calendar to help you with your children focus on Jesus and what Christmas is actually all about. There's a, uh, an activity for every day in December, starts on Wednesday and goes through till Christmas day. Keeping the focus on Jesus will make our holidays so much more peaceful. And students, I wanna to talk to you for a minute. This is countercultural to take an interest in others above ourselves because we wanna puff ourselves up. We wanna look good. We want a Snapchat filter to make us look glamorous. We want to be, get the most likes or the most followers. But to take an interest in somebody else above and ahead of ourselves is going to set you up to look and shine Jesus so brightly, so much more brightly than you ever thought possible. Jesus took an interest in us and he wants us to take an interest in other people, especially the ones that other people don't find so interesting. Students, you will shine for Jesus if you take an interest in those kids. Christ is our example and also our motivation. He's worthy of our worship in this way. And when we submit in the proper ways, it's a cover for all of our relationships. It's how they're designed to work. God's ways are best for us. Ephesians 5 goes further into what this looks like in our family relationships, starting in verse 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Whew, this is a heavy one. Not gonna lie, I wrestle with this a lot. I get it, I'm a strong leader as a woman. 
It's hard to do this well. And if we look at it the wrong way, we can get a little bent. Feel like we're being treated unfairly. I wanna have my own way. I don't wanna give up my rights. But you know what? God's ways are best, and Jesus loves me too much to let me stay stubborn and abrasive. When I can take a submissive role to my husband, it's an act of worship to him. And he is so worthy of it. It's not about being fair. It's about Jesus and what we can give up for him. And also this, in the middle of that passage, it says, Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. We submit as a church to Christ, our savior. He's worthy of it. He's not just any schmuck. We come under his leadership because he saves us. He's so worthy of it. And in that example, in that order, if our marriages are modeling the church's relationship with Jesus, then I can come under Mike's leadership role and live and thrive there. Because I don't know about you, but Mike's leadership is such a compliment to my personality because I'm not great with money. And Mike is so wise with our finances. I'm a procrastinator. Sometimes it drives me crazy how well he plans, but it's really good. I tend to be a little bossy. Mike is the best servant leader you will ever meet. He's incredible at it. And I love how our marriage, when God brings us together in the right order, it compliments me and I can compliment him. It's how it's designed to be. So all my single ladies, put your hands up. <laughs> oh yeah, you got it, Beyonce. I, I was telling the kids, I wish I had a fan right here for that part. So, you know, she has those strategically placed fans. She always looks fabulous. It'd be funny. Mike said he would sit in the front row with the leaf blower. <laughs> but all the single ladies out there, I want you to know, all you young ladies, when you think about marriage, this puts some big priority on who you choose to say yes to. Because if that man can model Jesus for you, submission comes easily. And it's how it's meant to be. So we don't just settle. We look for the guy that's gonna lay himself down for us and give himself over for us. And if you're already married and you're like, oh, it's too late for me, this is so hard. Jesus wants to help you. He never asks us to do something that he's not gonna help us with. He's gonna make it possible through the power of his Holy Spirit. And here's something that will be very helpful to you if you're having a hard time with this. Submission to your husband's leadership. Ask Jesus to show you how he sees your husband. Even if he is not a believer, Jesus will show you what he sees in your husband that is trustworthy, that is honorable. And you can focus on those things. I've been married for 20 years. I know all the flaws. I can pick them out. <laughs> Real good at it. But I can't focus on that. That's not what Jesus is asking me to do. Asking him for help to see Mike the way he sees him is going to help me so much with this. It's a promise to claim. He sees you when you give it up. 
He sees you when you come under the leadership of your husband because it's an act of worship for Jesus. And the cover, I love how this passage goes back and forth. Wives submit, but there's expectations for husbands right after it. Let's look at Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for her. This is not your husband lording it over you. If he's in the right order, he's giving up his life for you. Carl talked about this last week. I was so happy to hear him talk about it. He didn't know I was gonna preach on Ephesians 5 and I didn't know he was gonna bring it up. But let's pull that clip up from last weekend about husbands. See, God's a God of order. And he says, like even the family itself, Ephesians 5.23, it says that the husband is the spiritual head of the house. Now, the world took that and, and they destroyed it. And they messed it up and they lied about it. And, they, and what it says, the world says, well, if you're the head, if you're in charge, what that means is everybody has to do what you say. And you rule over them and you get what you want. And, and that, that is the exact opposite of what that passage means. When it says that I am the spiritual head of my house, what it means, first of all, is that I believe that I'm going to answer to God for the spiritual health of my family. I actually think there's going to be a conversation where God is going to say, where did you take them? And I'm going to have to answer. Now, I know I can't control them. I have four daughters. I know I can't control them. And they're going to make their choices. But I am responsible for how I led them. And so if I'm the spiritual head of my home, what it means is I am the first to pray for them. I'm the first to push them and nudge them towards God. I'm the first to serve my family. I'm the first to apologize when somebody's upset and when I'm wrong. I'm the first to confess when there's a problem. I'm the first to say, there's, there's a conflict there. I need to dive in and do something about that. I need to be involved in this thing. I don't, I don't pull back and watch it happen. I, I, I protect my family and I fight for my family and I endure and I engage my family. That's what it means to be the spiritual head. Now think about that. Wives, how many of you would like a husband who leads like, leads like that? Thankful Jean is not here. Her hand would be up right now. Young men, single dudes, you choose to love a woman in this way, you will be respected. You will be attractive. You will be sought after because it's what us gals crave is to be sacrificed for and loved like that. Ephesians 5.33, it says it. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. With that kind of sacrificial love, respect comes naturally and easily because women wanna be cared for. They wanna be cherished like you would your own body. When you're hungry, do you find some food? When you're tired, hopefully you go to bed. Your wife and her needs should come just as naturally when we're in the right order in marriage. And when we come together and we complement each other in this way and we submit to each other and the wife comes under the husband's leadership and the husband sacrificially loves her, it's so beautiful. That's why it melts our hearts when we see a couple that's been together for 60 years. It's incredible. It's what God designed to make us look at our relationship with Jesus as a church. It's such a beautiful thing when it's done well. But it isn't easy. I think that's why Jesus said, this is how you will revere me because it's so hard. It takes 
so much humility, lots of prayer, and a lot of patience. Deep breath. All right, I'm the youth pastor. We're going to play a game, okay? I'm not going to make you run around the room. We're going to lighten things up for a minute. This game is called Sit On Down If, and this is a Christmas edition, okay? So the way this game works is at the beginning of the game, and I'm going to have you all stand up, and there's going to be a phrase that goes on the screen. If the phrase applies to you, you sit down and you stay seated because it means you're out. So it kind of narrows us down until we have a winner. We have candy canes for prizes, so there's some incentive there. But all you have to do is stand up or sit down. Like I said, I won't make you run around, okay? So everybody stands up. This will help us see who is good at putting others in front of ourselves. First one, sit on down if you did not help with the dishes after Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, we lost a couple. Oh, we got some honest people. That's good, that's good. All right, so maybe some arguing going on out there. What, what is exactly helping with the dishes? Sit on down if you haven't started your Christmas shopping yet. Where's the planners out there? You're standing up strong, you planned ahead. Sit on down if you're the last person to get in the car to come to church today. Did you make your family wait for you? I put that up there because that was me as a kid. They were always waiting for me. <laughs> Sit on down if you started listening to Christmas music before Friday. Patience, people. (laughs) Give Thanksgiving its due diligence. Sit on down if you won the game you played after with your family on Thanksgiving. Sit on down, some humble people. Humility. (laughs) All right, next one. Sit on down if you have ever skipped your office Christmas party. Oh, that got a couple of you. I don't want to hang out with those people. (laughs) Next, sit on down if you've ever re-gifted a gift. Who are the gracious receivers out here? Oh, that got a lot of you. Still got a couple. Let's see what this does. Sit on down if you don't like pineapple on your pizza. All right, Jaylee's got candy canes if you're still standing. Come find Jaylee or Jaylee will come find you. Some in the back over there. All right. That last one has nothing to do with submission. I just wanted to know where my people are. (laughs) It's right here, Jaylee. Go get them. So kids, hopefully I have your attention now. This next part is all about you, okay? We're going into Ephesians 6 now. 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. So, we talk about submission, it's not easy, right? Because sometimes your mom or your dad say to do something, and you say, why? And they say, because I said so, right? We've all heard it, we've all said it maybe. According to this verse, I could say, because God said so. (laughs) And I've never actually used that, I don't think. Um, They'd probably remind me if I did, but... (laughs) because God says that when you belong to him, you come under the leadership of your parents. And it's not easy, but it's a way that we can worship God because he is worthy of our worship, especially if it's a struggle. We are to honor our parents. If we look in verse two and three, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you 
and you will have a long life on the earth. The first commandment with a promise. God's got your back. If we can honor our parents, God sees us. And he has a promise involved in this commandment. It's so cool. So if your parents said, no, you can't have a phone, honor them anyway. If their rules don't make sense to you, they feel too stringent, all your friends can do it, but you can't, this means you honor them anyway. And the promise is that it will go well with you for life. This might be because your parents know what's best for you, especially if they're here today, followers of Jesus, Hopefully we're following after him and we know what's best for you. So it will go well with you for life. But even better than that, it will go well with you because God sees you and he knows and he sees your submission even when it's hard. And God knows what's best for you. It's such an important time in your childhood to learn how to submit to leadership. He sees you when you swallow your pride and you obey. He sees you when you do the honorable thing and you don't argue and you don't demand your own way. He sees you. And I want you to know that us adults aren't off the hook. This is honor your parents for life. I still am asked to honor my father and mother even though I'm an independent adult. I honor them by caring about them, giving them a call, taking an interest in what they're up to, visiting them, inviting them over, caring for them, and eventually maybe even taking care of my parents because they took care of me when I was little. Honoring our parents goes across our whole life. And there's a cover here too. Immediately after the expectations for kids, it talks about what parents are to do in verse four. Fathers or parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. That's a high expectation. If I bring my boys up in the training and instruction of God instead of the world, that looks a lot different. This is why I don't post on social media very often because I'm always like, what's my motive here? Do I want to look good to the world? Do I want to put an unhealthy expectation on my kids? I don't want to. I want to follow after Jesus and bring them up in that training and instruction. And the times that I provoke my boys to anger are the times when I'm trying to look good to somebody else. Being a pastor, I'm in front a lot. People have their eyes on me a lot. If I'm not in the right order here as a parent, I have unrealistic expectations on my boys. In the training and instruction of the Lord is the cover for our children. So our work relationships can also benefit from this passage. If we look at verses five through eight, this is addressing slaves and masters. And God does not condone slavery. This is a cultural shift. There are no longer slaves and masters and there shouldn't be in our culture, but these principles apply really well to our relationships at work as bosses and employees. Let's read here. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. 
Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. When we're worshiping Christ with our job, it can shift the way we feel about things. Hopefully it can motivate us to get up and go to work with a little bit more pep in our step, a little bit more enthusiasm, because it's not just them we're working for, we're working for the Lord. And he's worthy of a good effort and a job well done, even when it feels unfair and like nobody sees. And even though you've wanted a raise for a long time or your Christmas bonus is not quite what you expected, you serve the King of Kings and you answer to him and he's got your back in this. If we do this correctly, it says that he'll reward us. I know this to be true. I've experienced this. I used to work in a place where my bosses were atheists and they asked me to clean the toilets and I thought it was pretty unfair. And I didn't say it. I'm so glad I didn't. But I went to this passage and I thought about it like this. I am serving the Lord. And if I do this well, if I do this right, maybe I'll have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. So I'd pray as I was washing the toilets. And public toilets, if you're a custodian, I have so much respect for you. <laughs> they are nasty. <laughs> but I would go and with enthusiasm to get the job done, even if they weren't watching. Because I wanted an opportunity and God rewarded me in a miraculous way. I can testify to this. In a miraculous way, my bosses had so much respect for me. Miraculous expect that, respect that I can't explain any other way, but that it was from God. And then I did get my opportunity. I went to work one day and I was sitting there and my atheist boss, came to me and he said, Sarah, would you lead a Bible study here? And I was like, how does that happen? How does that happen but that your king has your back when you do the hard thing and you submit and you put your boss ahead of yourself even when it's hard and it feels unfair because you're not a custodian. God will reward you. He sees you. And for the bosses in the room, Ephesians 6, 9 has a covering for employees in this master's. Treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. Jesus sees us all on the same level. Let's swallow our pride as bosses and make sure that we're not lording it over anybody, that we really see them and reward them because God sees us all on the same level. You see, all of these relationships, all of them show us putting somebody else ahead of ourselves. It's what Christ modeled for us and it works when we do it well, it works. So I know some of you are thinking, what about when my boss, my spouse, my parents aren't acting in a way that's worthy of my submission? What do I do? Well, God's got your back. He will never ask you to do something out of submission that would cause you to sin. He's the ultimate authority in your life. And if what he's asking you to do is 
if what your boss or your spouse or your parent is asking you to do is sin, God says, no, there's a line there. We don't cross that line. We don't have to submit if it's causing us to sin. But I think also we have to look at it differently. When we have to submit to somebody who's not really showing respect, respectable behavior. Let's look back at verse seven and eight of Ephesians six. I think this is the key. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people in your marriage, in your relationship with your parents. Work with enthusiasm because it's God. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. He sees us and he cares about everything we do. And he's so honored when we do it well, when we come in the right order and we let go of our ego because this is God's arena, not ours. And we have to approach relationships with our difficult family members as God is watching and he is worshiped when we do it well and we let go of our ego and pride even when it's not glamorous. This also, I'd like to point out, doesn't mean that we have to let go of who we are. God created you with a unique personality and a beautiful gifting. And he wants you to shine in that. And here's the beauty of that. I am a strong leader, but I can still come under the leadership of Mike and shine. If I do it in the right order, I can still shine. I don't have to let go of who I am and come under somebody else who takes that away from me. Here's a good guide for you. If your submission is not for your good or theirs, maybe it's not submission, maybe it's manipulation or even abuse. Submission works when we do it well and we handle it well according to the King of Kings. He sees you when you put others before yourself. So parents, this doesn't mean that you have to give up who you are. Mom, dad, take a date night. Yeah, sacrifice for your kids. Lay yourself down for them, but don't give up who you are. They need you to be a leader. They need you to have guidelines in place. Remember who you were before you had them. You are still that person and they need your authority over them to be reminded of how they can submit to you and learn to submit to others. It's such a beautiful thing when it works well because it's for our good, it's for the other people's good, and ultimately it worships Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. There's promises woven in and through this difficult passage that we can claim for ourselves. And I just pray that you would lead us, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to make room for your guidance and that we wouldn't cling to what we want or our rights, but we would be willing to lay them down for you, Jesus, in ways that you're calling us to. And I just pray that you would speak to us about healthy submission. Show us what it looks like teach us through, through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, teach us how to do this well and that we wouldn't submit to the point that you're not asking us to, but that we would know where the line is, but we would also have humility 
and growth there. You have so many good things for us that we don't deserve, Jesus. Thank you for making it possible. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.